Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Let's get to our guest. Rob Carnell is with us. He is the uh, chief economist at ING. He is also head of uh, APAC Research, joining us uh, from Singapore Rob, thanks for being with us. I guess we got to begin with the inflation story here. And the big question is whether or not, uh, first, are we at peak inflation? And then secondarily, how sticky will it be? Well, I think when you start asking questions about peak inflation, you, you first start, need to start asking yourself, which inflation rate do I really care about? Is it headline? In which case, you really need to know what's going to happen to oil prices. And for that, you need to know what's going to happen to Iran. You need to know what OPEC Plus are going to do. And ultimately, you just go around in circles and think, well, you can't really tell. Um, one thing you might look at, though, is annualized uh, inflation rates, and they're still pretty high. Um, so I think we've yet got the, the to get the message that, yeah, we definitely have seen peak inflation. And the core rate's still going up at a reasonable lick as well. And that's basically telling you where's inflation going to be in X months' time. And that's not really showing much signs of going down. So I'd, I'd be hesitant before jumping into the peak inflation camp. Rob, are you hesitant about the the potential recession camp, or are you on that side that uh, consumers have enough of a buffer? No, absolutely not. I think it's recession. I think you know it's one of those things that economists like to sort of, sort of I don't know, wander around and, and talk about, muddle through, and it'll be okay. No, I think recession's coming. I think recession is required to get inflation down. I don't think you can just do it by some token rate hikes and everything will be fine and, and soft landings guaranteed. Um, you know, the fact that the, the, the household sector is pretty well cashed up is actually a problem for the Fed because they do have to slow the economy to get inflation down. It doesn't just do it on its own. So is it going to be something that is deep and long lasting? It's going to be quick and shallow? I mean, how, how do you when you say recession, we have to begin to describe or characterize what it may look like? Yeah, well, that is the, the real question. And that's, uh, you know, that, that's still very hard to determine at this stage. Um, you know, obviously, you'd like it to be short and sharp and see inflation responding well. Um, but, you know, we don't know. I mean, the Fed doesn't know. We don't know. We, we'd like to think that would be the case. Um, but as as we seem to have been for you know very many years now, uncharted waters, the, the policy tools and the reaction functions don't work as they used to in the past. So, you know, it's a wet finger waving exercise when we say, yeah, we'd like to think it will be short and sharp. But, uh, you know, it could be anything. All of these worries are continuing to support the US dollar. How much does this impact uh, economies in Asia? Yeah, well, the interesting thing is that Asian inflation hasn't been quite as bad as it has been in either the US or Europe. And so consequently, we haven't seen anything like the degree of central bank policy tightening that's happened around the rest of the world. And that is helping a bit. But in the background of all of this, we've got a very, very weak China, and that's the single biggest export partner for every economy in this region. So while that remains the case, that's going to weigh on growth. But one silver um, lining in this cloud is if China was stronger, uh, things like gas prices in the region would be way, way higher. So that could uh, shift the uh, inflation story back up again. 
Um, and so, you know, be careful what you wish for. Hmm. And most certainly. And, and we were looking at the trade data for Japan for the month of August. And as a part of that, the import story was kind of staggering. Again, year over year in August of, let's call it 50 percent. I mean, a weak yen obviously is at play here. It's inflating the value of commodity imports. I mean, is Japan alone in this situation? Japan does look quite special right at the moment. I mean, also one of the things that differentiates Japan from some of the other Asian economies is the, the sort of timing of its reopening. It's been slower. So we're still seeing that, that reopening feed through into things like imports at the moment, where that happened a lot earlier uh, in other parts of the region where the reopening happened a lot sooner than, than is happening right now. Um, so that should dissipate over, over the time being. So we're continuing to see uh, these ambitious growth targets for China diminish, be cut by uh, forecasters. Do things change after the party congress? Could we see a pivot away from dynamic zero, which could bode well for the economy? It's a, it's a great question. I think a lot of people have been speculating that that would be the case. But I mean, if you look at what's going on on the ground right now, there's very little evidence that the, you know, the dynamic uh zero COVID has really made that much of a difference. We're still seeing cities being shut down. We're still seeing mass testing. And that's still weighing on retail sales and a bunch of other economic activities. So you know, fingers crossed. And there's a little bit of talk of things like um, reducing quarantine periods yet further in Hong Kong, which may just give us a hint that something's coming. But um, I wouldn't want to count my chickens on this one. Yeah. And the head of Moderna, Stefan Bancel, was telling Reuters that his company has been having discussions with Beijing on providing those uh, COVID-19 mRNA vaccines to China. That would be stunning were that to happen. I'd like to get your reaction to some uh, Bloomberg work. Our economics team did some calculations, and they've concluded that realigning property supply and demand in China will require about a 25% decline in construction, and that would have a severe impact on the economy on the mainland. Do you think that's right? Yeah, the numbers sound about right. I mean, typically speaking, that property development sector used to provide, you know, up to a third of the actual growth in uh, in the GDP numbers in previous years. Uh, you take that away, it's it's going to have a, a very substantial impact. And of course, it's not just the property sector that uh, that suffers here. You you get the spillover effects to people making iron girders and the polythene and the copper wiring, all the other stuff, the white goods, all those things that go into new properties. You know, marble tops. It all feeds through. So it has very, very wide reaching impacts if you're going to have a very, very soft construction sector. We have got a Bloomberg news story about uh, Singapore coming back to life and hotel rooms for F1 surging past $2,000 a night. I can tell you as a, a rental uh, person, person paying rent in Singapore, it is very hefty there too. How does the reopening theme across the likes of ASEAN play into your view of which economies are performing incredibly well here? Because there is a dichotomy between these countries that still have their borders closed like Hong Kong and China. Yeah, I mean, that's the single big differentiator uh, amongst countries in the region. Those that are, are very open are you know, pretty much back to normal. The only problem is that, uh, you know, we, we are hitting things like those supply issues that you're talking about. And F1 here is a bit special. Um, and so, uh, you know, we haven't had that for a while. So I think that is getting a lot of attention. Um, I wouldn't want to be uh, booking any hotels right right now. Hey, Rob, a big data dump in China tomorrow. Any surprises? Yep. I mean, we're talking home sales here, retail sales. I mean, yeah. we're looking for signs of some relative strength in the domestic economy. Will, will we see any of that? Uh, I mean, it depends uh, you know, whether your glass is half empty or half full. I think the numbers will look pretty similar to those that we got last month. And on balance, you'd have to say they were pretty weak. 
uh, the construction side, of course, is going to remain fairly awful. Uh, we'll have a, at least a sort of positive retail sales figure, but it won't be it won't be anything like you'd you'd expect to see if you were going to hit a five and a half percent growth rate. So that's uh, um, that's one way of, of putting it. And the industrial production, fixed asset investment, I think, are all going to look fairly soggy. What sort of further policy action are you expecting, and and do we continue to see the defence of the yuan here too? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think the, the policy actions are getting more limited. Uh, monetary policy is awkward because that does feed through into the yuan. So, uh, you know, we can't, we're not uh, expecting big cuts to rates uh, over the rest of the year. Likewise, the fiscal attempts to try and get things going just seem like they've run out of pep. I mean, there's there's lots of exhortation of local governments to to use funds and get things going, but you just get the feeling they've they've kind of maxed out on all their zero COVID policies and they just don't have that much more room to move on these things. All right, Rob, we thank you as always. Rob Carnell, ING Chief Economist and Head of Asia Pacific Research, joining us from Singapore. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.